Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Hello everyone. Welcome to Lighthouse. Really glad to have you all here. I like a full house. That makes me happy. So I think it makes God happy too that you guys gave up a Sunday morning to be here today. So thanks for being here. Um, real quick update. So when you give to uh, Lighthouse Vineyard Church, we take 10% of that and set that aside for outreach and missions. And so we were able to use some of that to help with our adopt a family uh, outreach that we just completed. So uh, we had nine families that we were able to adopt for Christmas and buy Christmas presents, give them a gift card, and uh, just share the love of Jesus to some families that, and that hopefully they'll have a little bit better Christmas because of that. So guys, thank you so much for your generosity. That really does make a difference in our community. Uh, also, just to let you guys know that we are having a newcomer's lunch. And uh, so what that is, is it's on January 27th, Sunday after service on January 27th. So if you're new to the church, you've been coming here in just the last couple of months, I would love to have a lunch with you, share a lunch with you, and share some of the information about what's happening around the church and get to know each other. So that's coming up on Sunday, January 27th, and you'll get an email or a phone call just to, to invite you to it, and you can let us know if you'll be able to attend. But if you would pray with me, let me pray for the offering. So God, we come to you right now, and we thank you for the wonderful blessings that you've given us, Father. And uh, we just are so grateful uh, to be able to, to live in this country, uh, to have the prosperity that we have around us, God. And as many of us turn around and give a portion of that back to you, I pray that you would bless them for their sacrifice. And also, I pray that you would give our leadership team wisdom to know how to, to best utilize your resources to further your kingdom. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are finishing up our Christmas series called Christmas Unwrapped, Receiving God's Gift for Us. And our key verse was from James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And uh, it was a message series about the wonderful gifts that God has for us. And it started in the beginning of December. So the first week, if you guys recall, we talked about the gift of the church, how wonderful it is to have the blessing of community, the blessing of belonging. And so if you do not have a church home, we would love to have you be part of our church family. So um, you're, everybody's invited to be part of our church. So that was the first week. The second week, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how God wants to bless us with supernatural power, with wisdom and insight. And uh, we followed that up with a more Holy Spirit uh, worship night. How many of you were here for that more Holy Spirit? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was the first time we've done one of those. I think we'll do one again. What do you think, Matt? Should we do another one? Yeah. So we'll probably have another one. So if you missed it, you'll have another opportunity to join us in 2019. And then last week, we talked about the wonderful gifts of the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we press into uh, more of what God has for us and press into the Spirit of God, how he wants to bless us with those characteristics coming from within us. 
So if you missed any of those messages, they are on our website, lighthousevineyard.church, so you can get caught up if you'd like to, to hear those. But today, we're going to be moving into our last service as part of the Christmas series. So all around us, we have the signs of Christmas, right? We have Christmas lights everywhere, and uh, I, I, love, I love seeing the signs of Christmas. We uh, actually put Christmas lights around the cross out here. If you drove by here in the evening, there's like a 20-foot cross. I don't know if you guys knew that, <laughs> but we put Christmas lights around that. Thank you, Larian, for being in the rain, and Josh for climbing up there and putting those lights on it. I love Christmas lights. We also had Christmas trees all over, you know, in our house we had one. We had some newcomers that came to our church and, and said, we love it here, but you don't have a Christmas tree. I said, oh yeah, we, we don't. And they said, but we'll, we'll buy one and put one up for you. I said, go right ahead. So thank you guys for that. Oh, so we have a Christmas tree out there and I just love that. And then uh, we have Christmas movies, right? Everybody... What's your favorite Christmas movie? Just yell it out all at once. Go. I heard a lot of Elf. Yeah. That's my favorite Christmas movie. How many of you have already seen Elf this year? All right, not enough. So we probably need to have an Elf watching party here just so we can get that movie in. I love that. And then Christmas music, of course. You know, I love Christmas music. So go ahead. This is my favorite Christmas album. Listen to this. You guys know what this is? Anybody? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Nobody knows this? Just a few. I go ahead and put it up. You can take the music down. This is the Jackson 5 Christmas album. See Michael up there in the top left? We go back a long ways, me and Michael. I don't know why, but I grew up listening to the Jackson 5 Christmas album. So every time I hear that song, it just reminds me of Christmas, brings back all of those good, warm, and fuzzy feelings. So today, we're going to talk about Christmas, but we're going to talk about the first Christmas, okay? We're going to go back to that nativity scene that we're all familiar with. You guys remember this? You got Mary and Joseph in the middle there, and you got baby Jesus. And then you have a shepherd over here on the left and, and the sheep surrounding them. You got the star up above, they're in the stable. And then you have the three wise men who actually don't belong in this. If you know the Christmas story, they came several months later, but they're there, you know. <laughs> But it's such a warm and cozy scene, right? Jesus' birth, though, I will tell you, was much more than a warm and cozy story. His birth was significantly important to the country and nation of Israel. So let me give you a little background. So Israel at this time is underneath the Roman rule, okay? A lot of oppression on them. And it had been prophesied for hundreds of years that a king was going to come to them, a savior, a messiah. And they would be freed from the Romans, from the oppression there. The Jewish scholars 
knew these prophecies because it had been prophesied for hundreds of years that a Savior, a Christ, would be, would be born and would save them. Here are just three of these prophecies. The first one is from Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. It says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So they're talking about a king with a scepter who is going to come. And they would come from the tribe of Judah, which was one of the nations. And then in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God was going to come in the flesh to be with us, and he was going to be born of a virgin. And then in Micah 5.2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Epritha, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins from old, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So all of the biblical scholars, the Jewish scholars, knew that this king, this Messiah, was going to come from the tribe of Judah, was going to be born of a virgin, was going to be born in Bethlehem. Jesus, of course, fulfilled all of those prophecies. You can trace his lineage back to the tribe of Judah. He was born of the Virgin Mary. And we sing songs of, O little town of Bethlehem, right? Now, altogether, it is believed that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies of the Old Testament, of his life, his birth, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus' birth was incredibly important to the nation of Israel. It was miraculous. Just to fulfill one prophecy is a miracle, but to fulfill hundreds of prophecies is nothing short of a miracle. This was all prophesied hundreds of years before it happened. And it was talked about and looked forward to by the Jewish people for centuries. And when Jesus was born, it turned the entire world upside down. So King Herod, we'll go back to the, the three wise men. King Herod knew about these prophecies. And he had heard that this, this Messiah was going to be born. And these three wise men were searching for this new Messiah, and so King Herod told them, well, go find him and then report back to me so that I can worship him. But that's not what he intended to do. He didn't want the competition. He was going to take Jesus out. So the three wise men followed the star. They came upon Jesus actually in Bethlehem, but probably not in a stable. It was in a house by then. And they worshiped Jesus and gave him the gifts that we know about, hear the stories of. And then they actually didn't go back to King Herod. They went a different way, and King Herod heard about this. So Joseph was warned in a dream right away, said, hey, you need to flee because King Herod is going to come after you. So in the middle of the night, Joseph takes Mary and baby Jesus and flees to Egypt to get out of the way. And King Herod sends his soldiers, and he kills every baby two years and younger in that whole Bethlehem region. See, Jesus being born was already causing all kinds of changes 
in this area, in, our, in that country, in our world. So this book has been written about Jesus. The prophecies are in the Old Testament. And then the stories of Jesus' life are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it is the number one bestseller of all time. You know? The story about Jesus is the number one bestseller of all time. But I will tell you, it's not been an easy course. More people have been persecuted and killed because of the name of Jesus than any other name in this world. And now, over 2,000 years later, Jesus is still turning people's lives upside down. You know, 40 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. I became a Christian, started following Jesus. And it's changed my life and turned my life upside down as well. So today, we get to celebrate Christmas. We get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, along with tens of thousands of churches worldwide. Jesus' birth, so many times we, during Christmas, it's celebrated by giving gifts and receiving gifts. So today, we're actually going to talk about some of the gifts that Jesus brought to us. So we, send, we, we give away presents and receive presents in his name. Well, today we're going to talk about some of the gifts that Jesus brought and wants to give to us. But just like every gift on Christmas, there's two parts to it. There's the giving of it, and then there's the receiving of it as well. So we're going to talk about both sides of that today as well. So we're going to be reading a short couple of verses from 1 John chapter 4. And you can turn there in your, your Bibles if you would like, but we'll have it up on the screen, and you can use your smartphone if you would like to. 1 John it was written by the Apostle John. It's at the end of the New Testament, so at the end of the Bible. You have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. And we're going to be reading in chapter 4 just a couple of verses. This book was written primarily, it's, it's a lot about uh, God's love for us and our love for other people. So we're going to read verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Just two verses, so let me read it again. This is how God showed love, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So today's message is titled, Bethlehem Unwrapped, Receiving the Gift of Jesus' Birth. So every week during this series, we have a giveaway. We've given away a lot of different things. So Tony, come on up. He's going to announce our last and final giveaway for this Christmas series. Let's give him a hand. Hello? Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's loud. All right, so this weekend, we are talking about the gift of Jesus. 
Dang it. <laughs> I was trying to hide them. They were, they were under my shirts. So <laughs> who knows what the, we're giving away um, candy canes. Who knows what all the colors on the candy canes mean? Jeez, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you because I had to look it up too. I'm, <laughs> I'm a millennial, so that's what happens. So the shape, <laughs> the shape of the candy cane represents the shepherd's staff. The letter J represents Jesus. The color red represents the blood of Jesus. The color white represents... Um, he cleansed our sins, so cleaning, cleansing of our sins. The stripes represent that we are his helper, or we are healed, I'm sorry. And the candy represents that his love is sweet. So, um, after service on your way out, we're going to be handing these out at the door. So make sure you grab a candy cane to represent the gift of Jesus Thanks. this Christmas season. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> All right, so I have a couple of points for you to fill in on your handout, but let me pray, and then we'll get started. So God, we come to you, and we just thank you for the gift of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts today so that we can truly celebrate that wonderful gift that you gave us 2,000 years ago. I pray that you would speak through me, Father, speak, speak through your words as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in again on your handout. Just a couple of points. Jesus was born to deliver the payment, number one, the payment for our debt. The payment for our debt. Going back to our scripture, verse 10, it says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I wanted to look that up to have a better understanding of what that, what that means by atoning sacrifice. So in the Greek, it means, or the word is halasmas, halasmas. You guys try to say that three times fast. And the definition is that it's an atonement, that is an expiator, propitiation, the scapegoat. Does that clear things up for you? It didn't for me. So I was like, okay, I need to look up all four of those words, get a better definition of what that means. So atonement, to make amends, to provide or serve as repair, reparation or compensation for something bad or unwelcome, to make amends for. Okay, that's starting to make some sense to me. Expiator, to extinguish the guilt incurred by, to make amends for. Propitiation is to gain or regain the favor or goodwill of. So Again, we're starting to get a picture here. And then a, a scapegoat is one that bears the blame for others, a goat upon whose head are symbolically placed the sins of the people. So you're starting to get a, a picture of that. When Jesus came to be our atoning sacrifice, he came to make amends on our behalf, to extinguish the guilt that we have, to gain or regain the favor of God, and then to bear the blame or the guilt of our sin. 
But what is sin? I mean, sin is any time we do something that is contrary to the will of God. You go back to the Ten Commandments, you know, it's breaking any of the Ten Commandments, or even in some cases, thinking about breaking one of the Ten Commandments. That's sin. And we've all sinned. Every one of us has sinned. There's a scripture in Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned. And Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one righteous, not even one. So that's all of us. Scripture is true. That includes all of us. And so we think about what's the penalty for sin? What is it? Do we have to pay something or what is it? So we look at Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Because of my sin, someone has to die. That's the way it works. Now, it should be me, right? We should all pay for our own sin. That's the way you would think that it would make sense. But Jesus came to be our atoning sacrifice. He came to bear the blame for us, for me, for each one of us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died in our place. Now, I have a small science experiment that I want to do. I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, somebody's worried. Um, I've seen this before, and I think it does a good job of explaining what Christ did for us, all right? And so what we have is we have, this, is, this represents us, all right? Like the day we're born, this represents sin, okay? It's, it's black, it's dark, it's ugly, it's nasty. And then this represents Jesus, okay? And um, so when we're born, each one of us, maybe the day we're born, we might come into this world and be sinless for maybe a moment. But as soon as we start, you know, throwing a fit because, you know, I'm hungry or whatever, you know, that's when sin starts to enter into our lives, right away, okay? And then, so as sin comes in, it starts to taint us, right? And then, you know, 40 years later, you know, we're still being judgmental, whatever. And this, this is what happens, is that sin enters into our lives like this. And we cannot get rid of it on our own. Now, if we look like this, if we have sin in our lives, we have no rights to heaven, okay? We are guilty. We are guilty. So then Jesus comes along, and Jesus is born sinless, all right? And then throughout his life, he remains sinless. In fact, there comes a time when Satan comes along and tempts Jesus in the desert, and she tries to get Jesus to sin, but it doesn't stick at all. And then Jesus died for our, our sins in a perfect state, completely sinless. 
the white of the candy cane, pure and sinless. And so we have an opportunity to receive Christ as payment for our sins. That's why he came, to die for us. And when we do receive Christ, he makes us sinless as well. He clears us up, and we are completely blameless. In fact, when Jesus came, he didn't come just to die for my sins. He came to die for the sins of the world and make all sin go away. And that's Christ. Christ came to completely wipe away sin, to take the payment for our sin. Now, you might be thinking, well, my sin is too great. I don't know that Jesus' death could wipe that away. But Jesus came to take away all the sin of the world. He was perfect. He was blameless. And when he died on the cross, it was for every sin we've ever committed, every sin that we could ever commit in the future as well. And Satan likes to remind us of our guilt, of our past. But that's not the way that Jesus sees us. When we accept Christ as payment for our sin, he doesn't look at our past anymore. My wife, Rose, uh, posted this on Facebook earlier this week. It was from her journal. It says, God doesn't see us by our history. He sees us by our destiny. He sees us through the transparent blood of Christ that cleanses us. See, Jesus came and was born in the stable. One of the primary reasons he came at all was to die. He came to make the payment for my sin and for yours. That's why he came. The story began in the manger, but it ended on the cross when he said, it is finished. So Jesus came to forgive our sins, to make us clean. That's a theme of the Christmas story. That's point number one. Jesus was born to deliver the payment for our debt. He paid the debt for each one of us. Here's point number two. Jesus was born to deliver eternal life. To deliver eternal life. This is going to verse nine. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Christ came to give us life both here on earth and life for all eternity. If we go back to Romans 6.23, I read the first part of the verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the last part of the verse says, but the gift of God, this gift that God has for us, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has eternal life for each one of us as a gift. Now, the reality is, is that when we die, every one of us, we will arise either to eternal life in hell with Satan and all his demons, or we'll rise up to eternal life in heaven with Christ and all the angels. 
And this forgiveness for our sins, it is a gift from God because sin cannot be in the presence of God. But when we are cleansed by Christ's blood, we are blameless as well. That's a gift that God has for us, forgiveness of our sins and eternal life as our destiny. But just like any gift this Christmas season, there's a gift that's given, and then there's the gift that is received as well. So how do we receive this gift from God, this gift of forgiveness of our sins and eternal life as a reward? I want to read two verses from Romans chapter 10. Verses 9 and 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's that's defining it right there. You will be saved from an eternity away from God. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So it's both a mouth and a heart thing. There's really two parts to the salvation, the salvation thing. So let's go to the heart. So first of all, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus declared that there is no way to God except through him. So we have to believe that. We got to believe that he said he was the son of God. We have to believe that when he was born, he lived a perfect life and that he died for our sins, but it wasn't over there. He actually rose again on the third day and then he went up into heaven and he's in heaven today interceding on our behalf. All right, does that make sense? So you have to believe that. You have to believe the Christmas story was really true. And I would say that in our country today, I mean, there are millions of people celebrating Christmas, right, in our country. I said there are millions and millions of people who believe that Jesus is who he said he was, all right? But I don't believe that all of them are going to make it in heaven one day because there's two parts to this. There's believing he is who he said he is, but then there's the second piece. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, talk about that. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we're saying that God is Lord of all. He's Lord of the universe. He's Lord of everything. But you know, you can say that God is Lord without him actually being Lord of you, right? I mean, we all have free will. Every one of us gets to do whatever we want to do. But when we confess that Jesus is Lord with our mouths, At that moment, we're confessing that I'm not Lord anymore of my life. We're making a verbal confession that, God, you are now in control. As I was putting this message together, I was reminded of of my salvation story. So when I was eight years old, I heard a message about heaven and hell, and I decided I didn't, want, I didn't want to go to hell. And so I accepted Jesus' payment for my sin that day. I believed that he was Lord. And, uh, but I don't know that I actually put him in charge of my life. And maybe I did at eight years old, 
but maybe I didn't completely understand it. I don't know. But I do know that several years later, about five years later, I was 13, and I heard a message like this. And I looked at my life, and I said, you know, I don't know if Jesus is Lord of my life. I do pretty much whatever I think I, is best for me. I don't even consider what Jesus wants. In fact, if you looked at my life at that time, I was just like every other 13-year-old in my public school. Now, there wasn't really any difference. You wouldn't be able to notice that Jesus was Lord of my life. And, and that day, that day I was convicted of my life, of what I was doing or maybe what I wasn't doing. I wasn't putting God in charge. So that was the day I really submitted control of my life to Christ. I made a, a verbal commitment, and I declared that Jesus is Lord of my life. And I'll tell you what, my life hasn't been the same since. Now, I haven't been perfect in this journey. No one will ever be perfect. But that was a day that I made that decision that I'm not in charge anymore. I'm going to let somebody else run my life. I'm going to let Christ do it instead. And that's what it takes to receive the gift of salvation. It's a belief in our heart, but it's also a confession with our mouths. It's making that declaration that I'm no longer in charge. And today, if God isn't Lord of your life, you have an opportunity to confess that to him, to verbally make that confession and to get your life in the place that it needs to be, to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your lives. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. If everybody, everybody would just go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray, though. We're going to do a final song. But I want to make sure that if you haven't made that confession before, or you need to make it again, that you have that opportunity before we leave here. But let me pray. So God, I come to you and I thank you for your son Jesus who came and died on the cross for my sins and for our sins. I'm thankful, God, that you made a way for us to be able to spend eternity in heaven with you. I'm thankful, Jesus, that you came and lived that perfect life, that life that I couldn't live myself. And then you willingly took the payment and died on the cross for me and for us. God, I don't know that I deserve it, but I am so grateful for it. So Satan, we come against you in the name of Jesus Christ and we declare you defeated by the blood of the lamb, by the cross of his testimony. And you have no authority in this place. So we just command you to be silent and ineffective in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's the deal. If you've never proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you've done that before, 
But today you've realized, I just need to do that again. I need to make that commitment that Jesus is Lord. I want to invite you to come on up here right now. Just come on up here and stand in the front, and we're going to say a prayer together. Is there anyone that wants to take Jesus up on his gift of forgiveness and salvation today? Come on up here. We're just going to wait a little bit. Thank you for coming. Anyone else that's willing to make that public declaration? Because that's what it takes, guys. It's that confession with your mouth. It's that confession with your action. By coming up and saying, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Anyone else that wants to come up? you'll know that you're supposed to come up because your heart's beating right now. I will tell you the, the one time that I knew I was supposed to come up, I just sat in my chair and I hung on to the arms and I said, there's no way I'm going to go up there and not in front of all these people. But really, what's more important? Worrying about what people think about you or getting your life right with Christ? Anyone else want to take Jesus up on this offer? Come on up. Coming up. Today's your day to make your life right before God, to make him in his place, which is Lord of your life. I want you to walk away if your heart's not in the right place. Today's your opportunity. Is there anyone else that wants to come up and just be purified from all your past mistakes? Anyone else want to come on up? All right, thanks for coming up. Yes. Anyone else where you know you're supposed to be up here? Guys, what better Christmas can you have than to know where you're going and to know that you are clean before God? Thank you, guys. last chance. I think there's one more person. Don't, don't leave without making this profession, guys. You're supposed to be up here. You know it just wishing that I would shut up and go into the song, you know? 
I just do not want to spend eternity in heaven without you. Don't. That's how serious this is. Is there anyone else? We're gonna pray. Come on over here in the middle, guys. Come on over here. You guys go ahead and sing this last song. We're gonna just pray in this circle here. If you guys, as you're singing, just be praying for us as we pray up here, okay? Go ahead. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.